In early 1969, I returned from the war in Vietnam to my home of record, my parents' comfortable flat located just by Hyde Park Corner in Knightsbridge, London, and England proved to be the ideal place for me to begin the process of coming down from the emotional strain of combat, to escape the marshaled forces of fate that had haunted every day of my tour of duty in that distant sodomy of hazards on the backside of the world. The apartment went the full width of the building, thus facing both Knightsbridge to the front and overlooking Hyde Park at the back. It even had a name, Parkside, which completed the image it holds in my mind of quintessential Edwardian elegance. Being reunited with my parents in that special place served as a hospice for jangled nerves and a respite from the need to move about very much while a fairly fresh bullet wound in my right hip could heal. My room was at the front of the building and overlooked the famous street of Knightsbridge, which was cobbled in those days. To this day, I maintain a pleasant, heartfelt connection to the sound of tires on cobbles, an increasingly rare noise. I relished everything about that place, the release from danger, the embrace of my family, and the English indifference to America's little Southeast Asian folly, about which I was seldom questioned and, except for the pain in my hip, rarely reminded. It was a great place in which to undertake early efforts to grope for the elusive nature of normalcy. I spent a happy month or so indulging myself in the company of the family, lounging like a slug on the living-room sofa with its view of the park. I went to the theater every week and nosed about the antique bookshops with my mother. It was a truly carefree interim. Then one day, my mother showed me an ad in the London Times requesting volunteers for a small archaeological project in northern Scotland. Why don't you apply? she asked. It sounds like fun. I did, and was soon rocking gently towards Scotland in a panelled railway compartment on a fast train called the Grand Scott. The dig was fun for a short while. We were looking for examples of Roman ruins along the northernmost of Hadrian's two walls. We were uncovering stone floors, examples of which I had seen before but other than the initial thrill of watching a conjectural plan of the vanished buildings congeal in the air above the excavation, we were not finding anything especially revealing of much that was not already known of Roman occupation in the region. Besides, it was soon apparent to me that I had undertaken the job before I was sufficiently healed to spend long periods on my knees in the mud and intermittent rain. Reluctantly, therefore, after some two weeks of effort, I decided to abandon the dig before any of the others might misinterpret my diminishing contribution for slack effort or incompetence. As I thought it would be fun to take a short walking tour to see a bit of the countryside before getting the train back down to London, I was given a hand-drawn map to a different town than the one at which I had arrived. The unexpected adventures described in the book that follows resulted from that simple decision.
As an incidental footnote, I learned years later that shortly after I left the dig, they made a fascinating discovery. They uncovered the floor of what had been the tanner's shop. Because of the preservative nature of the tanner's runoff, a number of interesting discards had been held in the oxygen-deprived muck for almost twenty centuries, to be recovered in pretty good shape. In addition, among fragments of writings, they recovered a portion of a Roman field manual that prescribed the proper way to crucify. But by the time they made these discoveries, I was otherwise occupied in a way I would never have imagined.